I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a million every week. I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billy every week. I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire, I wanna be a Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas. Now today I have a very special guest on my show. This man is the owner of Group 82 Music. They also help artists get to 1 million streams on Spotify. We're going to talk how they do that. Ladies and gentlemen, the founder, CEO, president, Dorian Clark. <laughs> What's up with you, boy? Appreciate it. Well. How you doing having. today? I'm good. Good. Founder, mm-hmm. CEO, president. I ain't had that many titles in a minute. Hey, man. You better take pride <laughs> in what you do, yeah, my man. You ain't lying. That's what's up, man. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you came to the show today, and um, you know, your your story is very interesting, you know, because I see a lot of uh, uh, I don't want to say playlist uh, uh, choreos, Mm -hmm. you know, that 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 kind of have that claim. Oh, I can help you do this. I can help you get to this million views, and that's a strong claim. And I know that nothing's guaranteed, so it kind of makes me a little leery when someone guarantees that. Absolutely. You know, but before we even get to that, I want to talk about where you started and what. Fuel this motivation to even get here. So let's talk about where you originally from. Yeah, so I'm originally from Indianapolis, Indiana. Okay. Downtown, what's up? Mm-hmm. Um, and my dad was in the military. Mm-hmm. So I was born in Texas, then we moved to Japan. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Northern California, then Ohio. And I grew up in Indiana. So middle school, high school, college in Indiana. So at, when did you get to Indiana? How old were you then? I was 10. You did all that traveling yeah, before yeah. 10? Wow. Was all How was Japan? Because I always wanted to go there. So when I got there, I was six months. When I left, I was four and a half. Okay. Um, this was like the mid to late 80s. Right. This is like MTV was out, but TV and the internet wasn't what it was. Right. So they never saw black kids. <laughs> so whenever I went out in public, like I was like a star. I was a celebrity. Like yeah. They would pull me to the side. My parents would have us take pictures. They always coming up touching me. Kawaii. Kawaii means cute. Kawaii. Kawaii. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I was even in like a Japanese rock video. Nice. Like my mom showed me the tape like two weeks ago. Do you speak the language also? I ain't learned Japanese, so I got to the States, ironically. Um, my so parents, you know it? I I know slightly, like a little bit. Okay. Even a couple of my songs, like I put some stuff in there. Good stuff, um, man. If I, should. if I see here, like the hiragana, I can read it some, but I'm not fluent at all. How many languages do you know? I know English and I know Ebonics. English. <laughs> <laughs> so is the rest of America. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's good, man. Well, I mean, yeah, you did sound sounds like you're well rounded. You know, you've seen the world a lot. You got uh, to Indianapolis at ten. Yeah. Right. And when you got there, you know, what was your first dream? Or were you just going to school and then wanted to do music? Like, what was your first I dream? I wanted to hoop. I mean, the typical black dream um, at the time, like, I was really, really, really into basketball. Mm. Um, I was a basketball survivor. What position? I mean, when I was younger, it, it was power forward. But as everybody started growing, power forward, small forward, shooting guard, point guard to you not on the team no more. All right. Um, so, like, to six man. Exactly. To no man. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I wanted to hoop. And so, man, once I got to high school, I wasn't good enough to play in my high school. It was a really, really competitive high school. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of guys go pro. We've had a lot of guys play uh, over overseas. Mm-hmm. And so, I still wanted to be involved with the game. Right. So when I got to college, I went to Indiana University, like okay. a huge basketball school. Mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to be a college basketball coach. Nice. Um, so once I graduated from undergrad, um, I made 1,300 cold phone calls. I sent out about 2,000 cold emails to coaches mm-hmm. that I didn't even know. Went to Wikipedia, went to their athletic website at the, at the school, and then I hit them up. Mm-hmm. And I asked them if I could get on, and one dude said yes. 
That's what it takes. You see that right there? It's a numbers game, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Right. That's the run rate right there. This man sent out 2,000 emails, however number of phone calls, and got one yes. Never give up. Straight Continue. up. So, dude told me, yeah, um, we got a volunteer assistant coaching spot for you. Mm -hmm. It's at a school called Weez McCray College. Um, the head coach name is Scott Polsgrove. Thank you, Coach Polsgrove. Um, it's in Banner Elk, North Carolina. Mm. It's a town with one stoplight. Wow. And the season starts in uh, two weeks. Can you get here? I said, hell yeah. Yeah. So um, packed up all my stuff in Indianapolis, drove down there, moved there. Um, it was unpaid. They gave me the discount on the housing, and they gave me free free meals. Oh, and, okay. And so, uh, I'll take it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, because I was trying to get in. You know what I mean? I didn't, my daddy didn't own a team. Right. Like, I didn't play, so how was I going to get in? Right. And so that season we went 2-29. and 29. <laughs> But um, – I got the experience and I was happy, man, because I was coaching. I was doing what I wanted to do. Right. Before that, I was. This was during the recession. Oh. So okay. before that, I was working at like Sprint and mm. I was a bouncer at, at a nightclub, Cloud Nine in Indianapolis. Yeah. And so I was like, man, this is what I really want to do. So um, after that that year, I went to grad school, got my master's in education, mm -hmm. and I don't know if you heard of Montverde Academy, a huge basketball program nah, down in Florida. Okay. Okay. Um, coached there for two years under Kevin Sutton, who's an assistant at Rhode Island now, mm. and then. Just did the whole coaching thing, man, for about four or five years. And I realized that I didn't own. So every spring, like this time of year right now, like right now it's late March, the NCAA tournament's about to start. Yeah. You see all these coaches like they're like they're getting fired. Mm -hmm. And so when a coach gets fired, his whole staff gets fired too. Oh wow. So the head coach, he might get two million a year and his buyout of five years, he might get ten million. But if you're the director of basketball operations or the video coordinator or the graduate assistant, you ain't gonna get nothing. Oh, so man. every spring, all these dudes are looking for jobs. I got sick of that. So I was like, man, I got to take control of my life. And so the goal of all of that was to get to the NBA. Like, I wanted to be a general manager in the NBA. But I kept facing, like, nepotism. This dude's daddy knows this person, so he's Politics. getting his job. You know what I'm saying? Racism or just the fact that they don't even know you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Tribalism. Right. And so it just got to the point where me, I'm like, man, I'm not going to get in. I'm not about to keep sacrificing and moving and going into debt for something that I can't control. Mm -hmm. um, so I decided, I was like, what else can I do? So I started studying billionaires. Okay. I studied uh, Bezos. I studied Bill Gates. I studied Trump. I studied Steve Jobs, Zuck, Oprah, Robert Johnson, Michael Jordan just became a billionaire. And I was seeing, what can I do? At the time, I'm looking at, like, for people my age, tech is it. Yeah. Like, All right. I teach myself how to code. I'm about to build apps. Right. Um, I was like, nah, that man, that costs a lot of money. You know what I'm yeah. like, like that barrier of entry is a lot. Like, what else is out Thank there? Thank God now you have YouTube. You can yeah. look up a tutorial. Yeah, but YouTube was out there, but it's still like, when you're looking at it, you still have to know what you're looking for. You know what I mean? Correct. So if you don't have a mentor, or you don't have even but like the capital, like to start an app to really get that thing going, you might need at least 10 Gs. Yeah. At the time, I'm making like $800 every two weeks. I can't afford that. Right. So... I saw an interview of a uh, rich homie Quan, mm. and he was talking about how when he got locked up, he came out. His mom was like, you got two months to figure out what you want to do or you got to get out of my house. And so mm. he said he locked himself in his garage. He bought a MacBook. Or my, I mean, you know what I mean? Niggas find ways. Can I say niggas? Yeah. Okay. I mean, keep it up. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, boys find ways to like, like to get their stuff. And he bought the Fruity Loops. Okay. Beat production software. Mm -hmm. And he locked himself in his garage and he... And he Figured out how to make beats. Figured out how to make beats. Figured out how to engineer a little bit. Found an engineer. Made a mixtape. Some type of way was on there. Mm. And then he was out of there. Wow. So I'm looking at that interview. I'm like, if he can figure that out, 
I got a massive degree. I know I can figure it right, out. Right, right, right. Um, so I, that month, my tax check came. Mm. I didn't pay my rent. Uh, so I went and bought a MacBook Pro, bought, <laughs> bought, bought Logic, and literally, like we were just talking about, man, with YouTube, I studied inside and out, taught myself how to make beats, taught myself about the music industry, YouTube, mm-hmm. edX.org. This is around 2014, and that was the beginning of my music career. So. That's awesome, man. I like I like how you took somebody else's story and applied it and used that as fuel to the fire. Like, yo, he figured this out like that. And it seemed like he was under, uh, I don't want to say distress, but more like, you know how when somebody works better under pressure. Absolutely. Like your mom was like, yeah, yeah, you got yeah. two weeks to figure yeah. it out. Two weeks he figured it out. Now yeah. look at him. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm glad you applied that to your method. So now that you're a musician, you know, and you figured it out as far as what I want to be, how did you go about it like what was your plan were you going to do the artist thing were you going to produce were yeah. you going to manage like what was what was the deciding factor of which route you were going to so take? the big thing for me was um kanye so the college dropout came out when i was a sophomore in college thinking about dropping out okay and so i was looking at how he did everything and this is 2014 mm-hmm. kanye not okay so i was looking like he produced all his own stuff he wrote all his own stuff Everybody teaches themselves how to make beats. Right. I'm going to do all of that. I'm going to have the greatest mixtape of all time. Yeah, it's going to yeah. blow up and I'm going to get signed. None of that happened. <laughs> um, but along the way, I taught myself how to do everything. And as I was teaching myself how to do everything, I'll have conversations with other artists. Mm. Or people would ask, ask me advice as they would see my website or they would see my logo. Or once my Spotify start picking up, they start seeing me in my streams. So I start helping a whole bunch of artists. And I don't know if you know the app, Periscope, yeah. on Twitter. So when Periscope first dropped, one of my homeboys, David Gibson, he told me I needed to get on it. This was March 2015. I'm like, nah, I ain't messing with that. Because I'm looking at, like, Instagram, Facebook, Google+. Like, I'm reading all this stuff about business. They ain't saying nothing about Periscope. Mm-hmm. And he was like, bro, you need to get on here. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And then he literally took me to the side one day and showed me how Periscope worked. And he was showing me how you can directly communicate with the fans and how they would say your name and people would talk to me. I was like, okay, I can use this. Mm. And so long story short, man, with Periscope, I started scoping every day. And I started trending men on Periscope. Um, mm. I became a Periscope VIP. Twitter flew me out. I spoke at their headquarters about wow. Periscope. Got about 25,000 followers on there. And that's how I developed my fan base. Mm. And so I would just test things with them. And that's and I would keep talking about like the music business and other artists that would come in. And people just kept hitting me up, asking me for advice. Mm. And I was like, man, I can't keep giving y'all advice away for free. Yeah, exactly. I got to start making some money. And so that's how I built group82music.com because I had to learn how to build a website. And once I figured out how to build a website, I had to go find somebody else for a logo. Once I figured out for a logo, I had to find somebody else for cover art. Mm. I had to find somebody else to help me as far as like uh, with BMI and with my publishing and with Spotify. And all, like even on Google, when you type in a rapper's name or anybody's name, who has any credibility, the little info box comes up. Mm-hmm. Mine wouldn't come up. So I had to figure that stuff out. So I said, let me develop a company where it's a one-stop shop, right. where any artist who needs help or any producer who needs help or even people who are just entrepreneurs in themselves, we can help them with all that right here. And that's why I only talk about stuff. We only offer services that I've done, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've seen some companies out there who say that they can guarantee you a million streams. Like I got about four million streams on Spotify. I can't guarantee you nothing. What we can do is put you on these playlists that we have relationships with that has put our music on there before, that we have vetted, that we know is, is good. But I can't control somebody going to stream your music or not. Right. That's not on me. 
I mean, so really the healthy. Music got to be good. Exactly. Mm -hmm. or, the, or, or sometimes it even got to be good because there's a lot of artist music I don't like, mm -hmm. but people resonate with it. So we just we just throw it in front of the market, in front of our audience. They like it. They gonna stream it. If not, whatever. Um, I've seen some companies that promise we can get you on the red carpet of the of the BET Awards. That's a lie. Like right. I'm not offering you that. Yeah. I haven't been there, and even the places I have been, I know I can't get you in there if you pay me. Right. So why would I lie about that? So I just wanted to be an upfront, trustworthy company because mm. so many artists out here get ripped off because they know people try to chase this dream, so we can easily get money off of them. And I, I ain't with all that. Yeah, man, I think that's bad karma, man. That's gonna come back and bite that person in the ass, man. I've been offered so many BS type of deals where oh, I can guarantee you this, that, and the third because they know I'm a young, upcoming, yeah. hungry yeah. artist. And it's sad that some artists actually pay this in hopes to accomplish a goal, and it's like they don't even know, man. Straight up, you know. But now, uh, so now that you got that part figured out, you got your company established. You know, tell me about your experience with. Uh, a, the success, a successful client, you know, like your first client that you got, you got everything in place and it mm. worked for you. Mm. But you, like you said, it may not work for somebody else, but you're still guaranteeing these numbers. So talk to me about the first client you did business yeah. with and how that success. Yeah, success. every every client is a little bit different. Mm. Um, the very first guy that that we did business with, his name is is, is Sirius. Okay. Um, he had absolutely nothing. You know what I mean? So what we do more so is more about educating. Right, and then bringing the services in as opposed to just doing stuff for you. So we built his website, built the logos. Um, he was a guy that's a family man, mm -hmm. right? He was done with music. He was just like, man, this is my last ditch effort. My wife don't want me to keep wasting money. Like, can you help me? So we started getting him a little bit of traction where he started getting a little bit of, of fans and stuff where, he, where she was like, okay, keep putting money into this. So now he's used that as a side hustle to finance his family. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, another guy we helped, his name is Lobi. Okay. And he already had a little bit of an image, but he needed to tighten up in his Instagram because a lot of artists, they're artists, they understand branding. So we didn't build a website for him, but we helped tighten up in his Instagram. We put him on our on the Spotify playlist, just our six playlists. Mm. He might have only been on three. And within the first month and a half, he got 10,000 streams on his record. He had never had that many streams, you know what mm. I mean? So with us... It's a case-by-case -case basis. Mm -hmm. Like, we're working with some artists right now who are signed to major labels I'm not going to talk about mm -hmm. because stuff's not set in stone yet. Right. And then we work with people who have no idea. Mm -hmm. But we don't, But I, I built this company. We want people who are do-it-yourself entrepreneurs. Like, we don't do everything for you. Right. Right? I mean, we make the plan. We show you the services. We show you what's worth for us. We give you our suggestions. And then you got to run with it and do the work. I think the most valuable service we offer is the one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me mm -hmm. because it's $300. It's an hour. And it's a video call. But we do a whole digital brand analysis about your brand. So all your socials, we do an Instagram analysis, talk about SEO, all that stuff. And on top of that, I show you Spotify playlists and secrets, mm -hmm. the stuff that I did to get on playlists, right? right? Like I show you how to find what's a real playlist versus a fake. How you can see if they got real followers versus fake followers. That information is invaluable. So how do you determine that part? You know, a real playlist from a fake playlist. It's, you know, I wish that we had like a thing so I could like pull up Spotify, like actually show you. But it's just a matter of knowing the numbers and like the ratio. Like if you look at a playlist and it has 100,000 followers, that's a huge, that's a massive playlist. Mm -hmm. And if you see a song that's been at the top of that playlist for four weeks and you click on it, and that song got 2,000 streams, 
and this and that. And that don't make sense. Or even when you go inside of the Spotify app or Spotify for artists, you can look to see where people's streams are coming from if you know what, what you're looking for. Mm. And you got to look at that ratio. Like, I've seen some people who said, I mean, some people's profiles where it said they were getting 5,000 monthly listeners from one playlist. And you go click on that playlist, that playlist only got 2,000 followers. Mm. How you getting 5,000 monthly listeners when only got 2,000 followers? Right, right. You get fake bots, fake streams sent to your song. Mm. And so when you have experience with Spotify, you can pick that stuff out really quick. And that's what I show you. It's just a matter of actually seeing the app and then having somebody guide you like me. Yeah. So let me ask you a question because now you mentioned something interesting about fake bots. Absolutely. Now, people that pay for streams essentially want that money back in return when the song gets streamed. Stupid. So if a bot is streaming your song, where is the money coming from in return? Like if I'm on TuneCore and they distribute my yeah. song and then bots are listening to my song, where is that money coming from? Yeah, yeah. So... With um, I'm not well versed as far as like how the distributors decide what's fraudulent and what's not and how they issue it out. All I can say is like when we get real streams, CD Baby sends us a check. Like every stream is divided up with the percentages and all that stuff. Well, CD, well I use CD Baby, I use Record Union, but DistroKid isn't one that I really push. CD Baby's customer service is awful. Mm. But um, for those people that are buying those bots and those fake streams. I don't know if the fake streams pay because I ain't never got, got no fake streams. Mm -hmm. I hear that they do, but I don't know that. I do know this. If you get fake streams pushed to your song, Spotify will ban your account. Mm -hmm. And Spotify, I think at this point, has almost 300 million monthly users. That's a huge distribution network right. that you're not going to have no more all because you're trying to get a quick buck. Like, bots, fake followers on Instagram, fake comments, fake likes, fake streams, none of that stuff means anything. The whole point is to get real fans. Right. The whole point is to get real traction and people that really rock with you. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. Right. It ain't about the numbers and looking good or getting like a quick check. You got to get people that rock with you forever. Like I started using Periscope 2015. There's people still to this day. Like as soon as you send me this interview, I'm going to post it. They're going to go watch it because somebody sent it to them back in 2015. Yeah. I have real fans. So anybody that's focused on them fake streams, fake bots, you already losing. And you're going to see in the long run it ain't worth it. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you there, but, you know, on the, on the other side of the fence, it's like, as an artist, right, let's say you got 6,000 followers, right, in, in a society where millions and trillions of followers is what yeah, yeah. is getting you attention from the higher-ups who yeah. are giving you the opportunities that you seek. So, that right there may kind of, for, not force, but influence uh, uh, struggling artists to pay for followers and this, that, and the third just to kind of try to get notice from them so they could potentially get a deal, get signed, whatever the case may be. So what's your takeaway on that aspect where a struggling artist is just trying to make it and the way society is making it seem that you have to have all this following and that's like uh, sets your status apart from everything That's else. That's a really good question. And then uh, we offer a free ebook mm -hmm. at Group A2. Um, it's called How to Get One Million Streams on Spotify. And I wrote the whole thing. And I, it's only 23 pages, easy mm. to read. And on, in, in the beginning, I talk about that. Because mm. when I started doing music, I went to SoundCloud. I did the same thing. I bought fake followers. Mm. I bought fake streams. I bought fake comments. And the moment I did it for one song, it makes you feel good. Because you look like, okay, 50,000, 60,000, got the comments. Like, if people going to come to my page. I'm popping. <laughs> like, I'm popping. And then what happens when you post that, that next song? And you get two two streams in twelve hours. People are gonna be like, "Hold on, you got sixty thousand there. 
and you got two here. So mm -hmm. what happens again? You got to buy streams again. You got to buy comments. Buy, I'm like, you know, I'm going to waste more money trying to look good than me just actually put in the work and figuring out how to get real fans. So I understand the, the mentality because I did it in, on SoundCloud 2015. I got nothing to lie about. But it's not worth it, man. Because right. at the end of the day, these labels, these higher-ups, they know how to vet through all that stuff. Like, every day people DM us or people come into my comments talking crazy. And as soon as they come to my comments talking crazy about some y'all fake, wooty woo, whatever, I'm going to click on their stuff. Mm -hmm. I swear to you, eight times out of, out of ten, they got fake IG followers. And mm -hmm. I can see it immediately. Anybody who's working in this industry who's going to give you some money, they know if your stuff's real or not. Right. There's so many metrics they can use to evaluate it. Right. So you, you ain't fooling nobody. Right. It ain't worth it. It's much better to have one song with a thousand real streams than one song with 10,000 fake ones because it don't mean nothing. Yeah, it don't get you so. nowhere. Nobody's be posting it. They're just sweating. Yeah. It's all good. You're passionate <laughs> about it. I love it. I love the energy, man. That's what's up, bro. Ah, oh, man. So that's what's up, man. So now, so, so I know you started as an artist, but now you have this business where you help artists. Now, how is that? Is that is that the final straw for you? Do you just sort of want to stay there? Do you want to come back to being an artist at one point? Like, what's your goal? That's what I've been battling with lately. Is like finding time to write. Because when you're an artist, and if you hear music a certain way, like I do, mm -hmm. or just other artists who I've met, it doesn't escape you. You know what I'm saying? Same. Like for me, even though I even tell you this, like when I was younger, I played the trumpet, I played the drums, like mm -hmm. I, I sang in the in the choir. But I just did it just to do it. Yeah. Like I'm from Indianapolis. Like, well, nobody making it in rap. My person made it from music was was Babyface. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And he never came back like that. And so I always hear music a certain way in like a different way. I'm always coming up with melodies, coming up with songs, coming up with with beats. So for me, it was like. I can't escape it. So right now, that's like the dilemma. It's crazy that, that you bring that up. Like the business needs all my attention because you know as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. That's a fact. But with the music too, it's the exact same way. Mm -hmm. So that's the balance. So for me, like we're definitely going to grow Group A2 out. We're definitely going to pivot. Um, we're about to start off. We just set up like a publishing arm. I'm about to sign a couple of producers first. And then work everything going with them. There's a lot of things that producers aren't doing that they could be doing to get their beats sold and get their beats heard. Mm -hmm. And then I also want to do like a marketing aspect too with a lot of people because we're starting to really understand Instagram. And then I just want to keep pivoting, man. Because the goal is the title of your podcast. The goal is to be a billionaire. You're so I'm, I'm not stopping. Right, right. No, no, no. I totally agree, my brother. Yeah, I definitely uh, I like the fact that you're... You know, you have your business to help people, but you're figuring out how to help yourself with the dream that you started. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think I think it'll definitely work with you. I mean, work for you, you know, in that in that aspect. So um, so you're looking to sign producers, um, songwriters as well, and stuff like that? Right now, right now, just producers. I feel like producers have a work ethic like none other in the, in the music industry. Producers and engineers. Mm. If I could sign engineers and find a way to really monetize that, I would do that. Mm. But I feel like beat makers, producers, they can knock out six beats a day and they don't even blink twice. But what kind of what kind of deal can you offer them? You know, they make the beats, they have all this collection, what, to get them placements? Like, are you guaranteeing placements? So what we're doing, so with the one producer that I'm talking to right now and a couple of the other ones, mm. it's more so about most of these producers don't know how to track their royalties. Mm. They don't know how to track their publishing. So everybody putting their beats up, men on men on YouTube, and that's mm. cool. And there's so many beats that I bought from guys, men on YouTube. And once the song got to come out, I hit them up like, hey, man, what's your IPI number? Mm. 
Mm. They have no idea what the hell that I'm talking about. Mm. And as an artist who's serious, I'm not about to wait on you. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm releasing the song. And the song's getting streamed. Mm. The song's making money. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, you lost out on that. Right. Because you're supposed to get a, a percentage. But now, I done took the stems. I done cooked it. I done, mix, I done did all this stuff. It's not even your beat anymore. Like, like, like it's mine now. So you lost on that. We want to help producers keep tracking that. Like, keep track of what beats that they put out, what the song is doing. I think one thing, and this is just free advice to any producer watching this, mm. every producer selling beats on YouTube should also be a marketing company as well. Mm. Every artist that, buy, that buys beats for you wants their music to get heard. Right. So you got this email list of all these artists mm. who have bought beats for you or had some sort of inquiry or whatever. Mm. You need to be pushing people's songs to that email list, mm. right? Producers have relationships with labels or Instagram or social media people. You need to become a marketing company. Mm. So that's one thing that, that we're going to do is really help them with that. And another thing is you get all these producers putting their beats up on YouTube. YouTube pays you, I think, for a million views. It's $800 or something like that. It's something low. Um, are they putting their beats on their website? Mm-hmm. Are they putting their beats on some free platform? You can put instrumentals on Spotify. Right. And you can get paid for that. And people mm-hmm. go Spotify to freestyle, like in the car with their homeboys. So why aren't your beats on there? Yeah, exactly. And so that's another thing that we're going to do with our producers. We got relationships with instrumental playlists. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, we got a dude, he got 20 beats. Ow. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And he's going to start getting all them, all them streams off of that. So you just... Everything that I'm saying is public info. Right. Ain't no secrets. But nobody's searching for yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not in the Illuminati. Ain't nobody taught me none of this. Right. Like you like, like you just said, you gotta go find me that information. So that's what we're looking to do for producers. So you know any producers or any producers watching this, you need help moving your beats, you need help setting all that stuff up, you need a website, you need a beat store, you need a logo, you need a brand imaging, group music.com, we up with all that. Hmm. That's what's up. I like that. Do you have a referral program where, for example, yep. if I bought you yep. some producer, <laughs> tell me more about that. So was, <laughs> that was actually the first thing that I did. Uh, when we set up in the website. I like, man, we got to get people to help. And I ain't want to call it an affiliate program. We ain't Herbalife. We ain't, nah, I ain't want to do all that. So we call it entrepreneur program is what mm-hmm. it is. And so for every dollar that you bring in, you get 10% starting off. Once you get to five redemptions, I think five, if I'm not mistaken. We bump you up to 15. Once you get to 15%. Once you get to 10 redemptions, we get you up to 20%. What do you mean by redemptions? So redemptions means I'm going to give you a code. So you have your code. And anybody that comes to our website and uses your code, they're going to get a discount on that service. And that counts as, as one of your redemptions. Okay, but I mean more for producers. Like when, if I bring you producers. Yeah. I, so what I would do is I would, well... Bait, that would probably be like a one-off, like a personal relationship where I can give you a cut or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. whatever. Um, and we can talk about that off-camera. Okay, like, cool. I can, I can say yeah, that. Yeah, off-camera. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see all that. I don't want to try in my pockets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But absolutely. But, and that's another thing, too, man. There's a lot of people in this industry mm-hmm. who don't write, who don't make, make music, but they can connect. And I'm all about, like, if you bring in work, I'm going to give you a piece of that work. You know right. what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not selfish like that at all. Mm. No, definitely, definitely, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about that because I, I got a ton of producers on my team that yeah. I hire out to uh, make me beats and we, we help sell the songs and stuff like okay. that. So I'm definitely interested in your services for sure, man. So now, but now, you know, it, it, it sounds like you, you know, you're focused on your your work. You you focused on the goals. You know, you focus on helping these other artists. But tell me, what's a typical day like for you? Because I know you just don't wake up and go to work. I mean, you know, 
What's what, what's uh, tell me about a, a a typical day for you? It don't it don't stop. I mean, I'm a night owl. I think me living in Japan when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, when I was learning how to eat on my own, sleep, walk, talk, all that stuff. I think it really puts something in me where I gotta like I'm up when when they're up. Mm. Um, and so I'm up eleven to four in the morning. Like I'm up doing stuff, and I like being up when when the world sleep. Mm. I feel like everything's peaceful. Group chats not popping. Like Instagram slowed down, like so I can just be peaceful. But when I when I get up, man, first thing I do, um, my phone has a bunch of notifications. Mm-hmm. Instagram, email, Squarespace. People have bought stuff overnight, so now we got orders, man. I got to get fulfilled. So mm-hmm. I hit up in my team, see what they've already done. If not, I take care of it. Um, after that, once I my eyes actually like come to and I've I've got done with that, I go do some cardio. Mm-hmm. I go do some cardio or I go lift. And I try not to check my phone. I got to get better at this. Yeah. Because that's, when I work out, that's probably the only hour of the day I'm not doing anything with my business. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout the day, man, I'm in front of my computer or I'm going to a hotel and I'm Instagram all day. If you are not using Instagram DMs to make money, I don't even know why you're on there. Right. Like, most of our sales come from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm checking our Instagram ads, how they're doing. Like, are people responding to them? Do I need to shut this ad down? Do I need to push this video? Um, it's just nonstop just adjusting and turning this knob and trial and error and seeing what's working and what's not. And then once I find something that works, double down on that and then build a whole campaign around that. So being an entrepreneur, man, I know people think it's cool. And it is because like, I get to sleep when I, I want to take a nap, take a nap. Mm. Like last week I went to Vegas. I didn't have to take no PTO. Like, yeah, yeah, I own the company. But at the same time, if I don't do something, it doesn't get done. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not just CEO or founder or whatever you want to call me. I'm customer service. I'm the research and, de- and development team. Mm-hmm. I'm the legal. I'm the accounting. Like it's a lot. It's a whole whole lot. So whenever I got a whole whiteboard in my office and there's stuff on there that's been up there for like two weeks, and I just try to check stuff off every day, erase stuff, and just add. It's nonstop, nonstop hustle. I hear you, man. How big is your team, man? You have a team of like 20, 50? Not, I wish. <laughs> but we definitely grow, grow out to that. Um, right now, my homeboy C. Rice, Chris Rice, he helps with a lot. He's director of operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, we have a team of about five that work as far as Spotify and uh, business development. Mm-hmm. And then we have one person who's actually handling all of our video right now. Her name is Yvette. She's absolutely killing it. Any video you see of mine in the past, like three or four months on Instagram, she she did it. So she's doing that. And then we have three that's on like the back office as far as like creative design, website, stuff like that. So what's that? Nine people right now that see yeah. rice ten. So that's that's about it. But still, you know what I mean? No one's gonna be as dedicated to your business as you. you are. So it's it's nonstop. And I think one thing people underestimate about when people run a company, you gotta get things automated where they run on their own, mm-hmm. right? Like you can't micromanage every single thing. And so once things get automated and they get to run on their own, as the leader, you have to figure out what's the next pivot for us. Mm-hmm. And then you have to build that up. And once you build it up and you think it's going to work, you have to teach your staff that. You got to get that automated to make sure it's running on its own. So now you got two things that's running on its own. And you got to pivot to the next one and the next one. Mm-hmm. And you put people in charge of that. And so you have to limit your decision making. Mm-hmm. Because if you try to make all these decisions for everything is pivoting on its own, you're going to go crazy. Right. You can't do that. Now, as an entrepreneur, you know, and I struggled with this in the beginning, but I'm getting better at it. How do you separate business life from personal life? You know, because 
you know, whether it's family time, relationship time, or just time for yourself. Yeah. You know, how do you separate it, and when is the best time to separate it, you know, to kind of unwind? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> with me, it's just been nonstop. Um, I've, I think what I've done a really good job of lately is when I am, am done, like, I really try to shut it all down. Like, I have to realize that the business is going to keep going. Sales are, are going to keep coming in. I don't have to be as active with it. But you got to figure out what it is for you specifically that puts you in that zone of just being to yourself. Because mm. anxiety is real. You know what I mean? Mm. Especially if you're an entrepreneur. So for me, it's like, if I need to go smoke late at night, that puts me in my zone. I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm chilling. I ain't start smoking. Like, I'm 34. Yeah, I ain't start smoking until I was 30. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And once I started being my business, I'm like, hold on. This slows me down a little bit. Um, working out, you know what I mean, with my girl when when, when she gets home, like if she want to go get something to eat or she want to watch Shark Tank or she want to watch some Lifetime movie, I do that. You have to... Do you keep the phone down when you do that? I try to, man. Oh, I, I try to. they don't like that, <laughs> brother. <laughs> but the great thing about her is she understands, like, this is what's, what's feeding us, you know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. And she works too, but like, this is what's going to feed our, our daughter, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just like... Oh, your father. Um, and she'll be here July 4th. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, so we're in the countdown right now. And so, like, she understands and, yeah. she, and she gets it. But still, man, it, that's, I don't think that that ever stops. I don't yeah. think it ever, ever stops. It, so. ne it never does. It never does. You know, because yeah. with my girl, we kind of had that a long time, but then I'll be on my phone. She's like, yeah. what you doing? Making money? You not watching the movie? I'm like, yeah, but you know. This movie sucks. Yeah, I keep the lights on, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what's up, man. You know, I'm, I, I appreciate everything you're doing to help artists. You know, I'm definitely on the same boat. You know, I kind of figured out that, you know, nobody was really helping me. And it kind of made me feel spiteful towards the industry. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to just go hard and just do this for myself. But then when I realized that my higher purpose is to help others, you know yeah. what I'm saying, through my passion, you know what I'm saying? So I feel um, just like you built a platform to help others, you know, and I appreciate you for that. And I hope we could do business, you know, in the long run as Absolutely. well. So now, you know, before we before we go out, tell me, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Man, I started making five year plans when I was when I got out of college. Okay. Um, and that recession, cause I came out of college two thousand seven. Mm -hmm. But that recession just threw everything off. Um, like anybody that's going to go to college, if you're going into debt to go to college, that's the dumbest decision that you could ever make. Mm -hmm. um, I got a video literally called F College, but mm -hmm. well, but to answer Manuel's question, sounds like a good title for a book. Man, I'm. Yeah, I need 10%. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I got ideas coming with me. Um, but for me, I literally, I know this sounds cliche, but I take it day by day, and I probably plan out maybe 60 to 90 days out. Now, don't get me wrong. I got long-term ideas. I got things I want to accomplish. I got things that I want to get done when I'm 40, 50, 60. I'm already thinking about that. Mm -hmm. But you have to reverse engineer it. And you have to go there and then come all the way back here. Like, how am I specifically going to get there? And so, five years ago, if you'd have asked me where I wanted to be, I said, like, man, I want to be one of the biggest artists in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be signed to a label. I want to be doing this. You ask me now, I don't know if I want to ever sign to a label. Right. I don't. I would much rather have, like, a joint venture, mm. marketing distribution deal. And then I don't even know how much I would want that because it's still, I don't like people in my stuff like that. Yeah. And so... The world, especially the music industry, changes so much, so much, 
there is absolutely no way you could have a five year plan. I mean, let's think about it. Five years ago was 2014, mm-hmm. right? So this is March 2014. Uber was in like five cities in the U.S. at, at that time. Right. Now Uber is everything. You right. know what I'm saying? What was Snapchat? That didn't exist. And so it's just like Periscope wasn't around either. You can't really plan like that anymore. You, mm-hmm. The best thing about being an entrepreneur or anybody who's successful in the business, especially music, you have to adjust. Right. You have to adapt. If you stay steady, you're going to get knocked off, mm-hmm. right? That's what Blockbuster Video did. They had a chance to buy Netflix. They said, nah, we got the movie rental game on lock. Okay, we're Blockbuster right now. No way. Netflix is a massive company, one of the most successful companies in the world. So it's just about constantly adjusting and adapting. So that's a long answer to five years from now. I got stuff I want to do. Mm. But man, I mean, hell, who knows what might happen in, in the next two weeks, and that might alter this. Now, one goal I do have, because I'm still mad I never made it to the NBA, I'm going to buy an, an, an NBA team. Mm. That's going to happen. Now, how I'm going to get there to get the billions, that's going to be a journey and everybody's going to get a chance to see. Yeah. But I will buy an NBA team. So, might be five years, might be 30. I don't know. And it's a team in particular? I mean, I'm from Nap, so I wouldn't mind buying the Pacers. Yeah. Um, we ain't never won no championship. But I think I would I would do that. I wouldn't mind buying it. close in the 90s. Man, yeah. Yeah, yeah 2000, we lost to Kobe and Shaq Lakers, gave them in their first one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't mind the Heat or the Orlando Magic, but if I once I get it in that circle, mm-hmm. whoever comes up for sale, I'm buying it. So, yeah, yeah, that's what's up, my brother. <laughs> oh, man, well, thank you for coming this through. I appreciate your words. Yeah. I appreciate your business, and I hope we can do business. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, can people follow you? Give them all the information. Bet. Website's group82music.com or 1millionstreams.com. We own that, so that's probably easier for y'all to remember. All my Instagrams, Dorian Group82, Instagram, Twitter. That's my personal website, too. Hit me up on there. Um, I respond to every comment on the YouTube and on the Instagram. I respond to pretty much every DM. If you're an artist and you're serious and you need help and you lost, because I was there, too. Seriously, man, hit us up. Or even just go download the free ebook. It gets you an introduction on what you should be doing. So, Group82music.com. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sleep is for Billionaires, the podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Vegas. Dorian in the building. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. Thank you for watching.